0: Hello, Success Fam and LinkedIn Fam. Welcome to this episode of our Leadership Masterclass Conversations with a C Suite. And this time I feature Jay Nathan, very renowned in the customer success industry for multiple things. First, I mean, he is known as a community leader. He's extremely popular in all customer success events and shows. His thought leadership, which expressed via his LinkedIn post, have a major and a raving fan following. And it's my absolute honor to have him as part of the conversation about customer success, where we are going to probe Jay on multiple aspects of customer success, including some certain controversial questions and, of course, the rapid fire questions that is going to discuss on the side of Jay A little bit to all of us. And with that said, and without much further delay, hey Jay, welcome to the show.
1: Hi Shubha, good to see you. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, so Jay, I mean today's conversation is all about customer success, right? So you're the chief customer office of HireLogic and and more than that, you're also the co-founder of uh, Grain, Grow, Retain, which is a very popular and a very uh, thriving community of CS folks, including leaders as well as new entrants into the market. So more than I talk about customer success, one of the things that I wanted to ask you is how did the idea of gain Grow, Retain come about, right? The idea of forming a community of CS so early in the game. I mean, walk us through the journey, the how the uh, idea originated, what were your thoughts, what do you want to accomplish, and so on and so forth.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks again for having me on Shuba. And yes, GGR was, um, it was really born in er earnest during the pandemic. Um, So, but, but I would tell you that it actually started probably a year or two prior to that. So, Um, At the time I was running a consulting firm where I was working with B2B SaaS companies and my business partner and I were working with B2B SaaS companies to help them implement customer success strategies and automation and uh, go to market plans that would actually capitalize on customer outcomes and results. And so, um, you know, we had begun to be active on LinkedIn because we were getting a lot of good feedback and interaction, sharing what we knew and what we were learning through our consulting work on LinkedIn in that community. And um, so we started a podcast as part of what we had already been doing. This is back probably in 2019, early 2019, early, late 2018. And, uh, but then in 2020, as we all know, we had a global pandemic that, that began to happen in March of 2020. And uh, it was apparent that a lot of customer success leaders didn't, everybody was running around with their hair on fire, trying to figure out, how are we going to handle customers? Our customers are coming to us and saying, Hey, we need concessions right now. Um, Everything's changed for us. It was was a very volatile time uh, early on in the pandemic for SaaS customers and customer success leaders in, in particular who are trying to figure out how to deal with it. So Jeff and I said, Hey, why don't we set up a weekly zoom call? We'll call it CS leadership office hours. And, you know, we'll open it up to everybody. We'll publish it on LinkedIn and uh, all, the, all the people that we had been act- interacting with on LinkedIn, we invited them to join. And yeah, you know, the first week, we had probably 30 people on the call. Then the second week, we had 75. The third week, we had 150. And it just kept growing and growing and growing. And we said, wow, this is really some pinup demand here. I think if you look at the, the community, customer success community efforts that had happened prior to Gain, grow, Retain or prior to 2020, you'll see what you typically see in any vertical or any category, it's being led by software companies who are really trying to sell you software, yep. right? And that's fine, right? But um, at the end of the day, those aren't real communities. They're product communities, not thought leadership communities. And so we knew we had an opportunity to do something different with Gang Retain, which is give everything we were learning from a consulting perspective, just give it away for free. Any model we came up with, any tool, any um, analysis you know, tool we came up with to help our, our customers find a way to you know, better implement their own customer success strategy, just give it away because the the hard work is actually in the implementation of those ideas. It's not in having the ideas. Right. And so that was our mantra from the very beginning, give as much value as you possibly can give it freely. Don't gate the content. And um, so we started with that zoom call. We had a, a just a huge outpouring of um, participation and, and people wanting to be a part of something bigger and something beyond what, maybe what all the software companies yeah. were running at the time. And uh, it just kept growing and growing. And so we just did one thing at a time and kept, you know, being active on LinkedIn. We kept doing the, the weekly calls. We still do those calls every other week. Oh, you now. Do? We do. Yeah. We still run those. And um, now we have people from the community who facilitate those. It's not just right. Jeff and I doing that anymore. Um, and then we added an online community in, the late spring timeframe after that. And then, you know, we ended up joining Higher Logic and bringing Gang Grow, Retain with us later on in 2020. So uh, it was a very fun time, a great time to be part of something that was, you know, we feel like we sort of caught lightning in a bottle, but uh, it was really all around this idea of providing value to people who, you know, who wanted to collaborate, network, and learn from one another. And so that's That's, that's
0: fantastic, right? I mean, what started as a Zoom call is now such a massive community. And, um, you know, I, I, I recently relocated to the United States, right? I mean, and when I started, um, you know, searching for contents about customer success, the one thing that added so much value that would bring up a lot of content across various topics was uh, gain, grow, retail. So, I mean, it it is really amazing that you could see that uh, demand coming in so early in the game, and it could provide so much of resources that is useful for so many aspiring uh, CS folks coming into the uh, community. So, before I go, I mean, I, I, you know, I can make this entire conversation about <laughs> GGR, but just one question, right? Where do you see GGR uh, going a couple of years from now? I mean, I, I would like to see your vision because. This, this is this is great, right? You start a Zoom call, it becomes this big. So what would be your yeah. vision for uh, GGR a couple of years from now?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think our goal for it is just to continue to to grow it and continue to provide value to leaders. one of the things that we see is a huge opportunity. Well, a couple of things we see is big opportunities for not just customer success, but for SaaS in general. The the industry is going through a huge change right now you see it the valuations have been crushed by these uh, you know in these subscription-based businesses and uh, we think there's a huge opportunity to professionalize customer success and turn it into more of an operational part of the business and not just a team we'll talk maybe more about this later but the way the product is built the way we market and sell the way we deliver on the back end the way we partner with other companies is all going to be part of a customer success motion? SaaS companies intrinsically are customer centric. The 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 yes. pricing models, the the um, you know, the ability to cancel if you're not getting the value. That's all very inherently customer centric, and so. Um, I think more and more as the the world continues to change, we'll see more product-led growth, more product-led customer success. Certainly AI is going to play a role in customer it's, success in every other function, by the way. It's not going to take anybody's job necessarily, but it's going to play a factor in every role. Um, and so, you know, I think we would, we just want to keep building it and sort of look to the next wave of not just where customer success is going, but where SaaS is going and support that, you know, sort of customer-led, community-led type of growth mindset.
0: Well, wow, that would be great, right? That would be phenomenal as you as steer the uh, direction of customer success. Now, let me get to the topic, right? I mean, I have so many questions from just five minutes of what you said, but I will just. Uh... <laughs> so the number one question, I'll start with the, uh, the controversy around customer success, right? See, I do not really belong to a SaaS background, okay? I, I worked in as enterprise software, then I'm in telco telecommunications, mostly in the platform space, at least in the circles that I have been. The, the continuous question of, do you really need customer success still exists, right? And I have heard some really controversial statements, like, you know you just roll up a program management office that that does coordination across various groups, you call it as customer success, and now there is a huge hype around it, which is not justified. There are some that say customer success should be more technical. There are some that say customer success should be more salesy, understand rev ops, etc., cetera, etc. And some say customer success should just be the glue that brings the organizations together. Right now, answer this for us and all our listeners. Do why do we need customer success? Is it true that CS is just program management office? Or why do even non-SaaS companies or SaaS companies? What is the need for CS to exist?
1: It's a great question. Um, sometimes I ask myself that. Honestly, um, I think we have to separate the we have to separate what we call the department customer success from the outcome that is customer success. Right? Um, I think you know. For first of all. Uh, there is no one size all, fits all answer to how you deliver customer success. There is though the reality that companies that do not help their customers get results and, and make their customers successful to use the word in the definition, uh, they will not survive. They will not be able to compete with their competitors. So really to me, it's less about having a department that mm-hmm. is called customer success it's about having a great product. It's about having the right level of service and support around that. And then it's also about building that outcome measurement and results management motion into whatever is there. You can call it whatever you want, right? But the new thing with customer success that we didn't really have before we got into the world of SaaS was I could see what's happening in the data. From the back end of the of the product itself, because it's all multi-tenant hosted in one place, yes. we get the data, we can see what's going on, and we can coach and guide our customers to a better outcome that they than they could receive on their own. That's intrinsic to the model. So whether you have customer success managers that do that or whether you add that responsibility, into the product itself to where it's measuring and putting the results on the screen so that users can then take the appropriate actions through the product, or whether you have account managers who are trained on those certain aspects of how to go drive results and outcomes with the customer in parallel to positioning new solutions to expand their subscription or their services that they buy from you. It's all customer success, right? So there's not a one size fits all uh, version of it. I will say, I think there are probably a couple of different models. One, if, if you're a product led growth type of company, so think Calendly, think about, um, you know, even HubSpot is sort of product led at this point, especially with their CSM products. But in, there's product led growth, there's inside sales, which is more of your mid-market SMB type of outbound selling motion. And then there's enterprise, right? And then there's sort of like strategic accounts on the far end, right? Which it sounds like you have some experience with as well. But the customer success structure looks a little different in each one of those motions and it really matches the go-to-market model. Uh, But, you know, I've said it twice already, but there is no good there is no one size fits all. But I think there are some patterns that you can follow that sort of follow those go-to-market models. And so that's what we're we're focused on is is trying to figure out, you know, what are the best practices right now for each of those models.
0: Yeah. So the 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 takeaway for me is that I mean whatever you do. Bring a customer centricity into what you do across, and it's not really about a function; it's about what you, um, uh, you know, deliver, right? That's
1: right. It's what you do. It's the activity. Now, who delivers that activity? Yeah, it really doesn't matter to me as long as somebody's doing it. Right. Um, yeah. There's a There's a guy I always like to call him out. I don't know if you know if you do you follow Greg Danes on LinkedIn? Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, so yeah. I
1: do. Greg's done some amazing research, data based research on retention. And one of the factors he's found in analyzing literally probably tens of thousands of renewals and uh, the retention associated with those renewals is that the simple act of measuring the results that a customer is getting and, and working with the customer on what those results are and how to make those results better. If you do that, your lifetime value extends by six times versus if you don't. Okay. And so what that's saying is, Customers, when we interact with our customers that way and we actually have a focus on their outcomes, not their product usage necessarily, not their adoption, that's a tactic, but their outcomes, we're six times, we have six times longer LTV. So that's the motion, right? And again, I don't think you have to be a customer success manager to do that. I think you could do, do it through the product. I think customer success managers should be really good at that, right? even though there are other responsibilities being tacked onto that role, which, you know, is fine. Um, So anyway, that's, uh, we we can talk more about Greg later, but I always like to give him a shout out because he's done some real hard hitting research on retention and renewals from a data perspective. And he's got some really interesting findings on that, on that front.
0: Um, That that goes to prove the point, right? Yeah. Um, So, so you talked about go to market motion and all that, right? So if you actually see, I mean, organizations have three go-to-market functions, essentially, the sales, the marketing, and, and to some extent, the revenue office as well, which comes up with a revenue strategy, et cetera. Now, customer success becomes the fourth uh, dynamic into the entire go-to-market motion. So in your opinion, how can CS differentiate itself from these players? What value can CS provide in accelerating the go-to-market motion or in sustaining that, right, your views?
1: Yeah. Um again, you know, whether, whether the CS team owns revenue or not, they should always be thinking about how to impact it. Yeah, it's the it's the business side of what we're doing, we're we have to all recognize that we're part of businesses that have investors that have, um, you know, that are working towards growth and profitability. That's how a business um, stays in business and yeah. provides opportunities for employees and provides returns to shareholders, you have to do all those things. So You know, one of the, one of the, I think maybe fair, uh, one of the maybe fair um, uh, criticisms that we get in customer success is that we're just blindly focused on the customer, right? Which is not a bad thing, but the whole company should be focused on the customer, not just one team. Yes. Right. And that should be led by an executive team who understands the benefits of focusing on a customer and keeping, that focus in balance with the needs of the business and the needs of the employees. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I like to flip your question inside out. I don't think it's about finding a purpose for a team called customer success. I think that's the, that's a backwards way to look at it. I think Mm -hmm. we need to say what's best for the customer, what's best for the employees and what's best for the business. And then how do we apply our best people, our best processes and automation and tools to achieving those outcomes and then from there roles will fall out and those roles will have certain responsibilities maybe it's the results conversations with enterprise customers that i talked about earlier right maybe it's maybe it's product-led customer success in that case but so i i am you know after doing this for many years now i'm of the opinion that you should never start with the assumption that you just need a customer success team first, you should also always look at the business problem that you're trying to solve, the customer problems that you're trying to solve and back into that and then assign, assign roles and resources to those problems according to the needs of your business. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it makes sense. But you do agree that, you know, CS, whatever you call it, whatever the CS role, you define it to be. CS should definitely have, an impact towards the overall uh, go-to-market results and the outcome of a company, correct? That's what you-
1: 100%, yeah. So a great statistic here. And um, there's another article uh, that I just spent some time reading over this past weekend by uh, jo- Jaco Vanderkui from Winning by Design. Love this mm-hmm. guy and, and their content. Um, but by the time a SaaS business reaches about 50 or $70 million in, in ARR, Most of the new bookings, a majority of the new bookings typically come from the existing customer base. That means you're expanding and you're upselling those customers. So what we want to try to do is show customers success with what they buy from us initially and then quickly position additional value, whether that's through expanding what they've already bought, upselling, or it's through cross-selling into other departments um, or adding new products into the mix um, yes. So, so absolutely yes, and that, I go back to, um, you know, in my company, I think we'll talk about this later. But in my company, the CSMs work very closely together with our renewal managers. Those two roles are are paired very closely in our organization, um, and it's all about making sure that the the fundamental basis of a relationship in SaaS is actually the contract, right? Yes. It's it's the 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 exchange of commercial value that yes. we're doing as partners, and if you don't understand that, then you don't understand the basis of the relationship that you have with a customer. It's not about your dog. It's not about you know your kids. I. It's great to build those relationships. I build those relationships with our customers all the time, but they're still looking at me as a partner. They have yes. certain expectations of me and I have certain expectations of them. We just can't forget that. Yes. This is a business.
0: That is true. That is so true. And just to add on to your point, right? I mean, see, we live in an era where um, I mean, I want to know your views on this. We live in an era where people do not buy based on information because information is available in plenty, but people are moving towards buying based on trust, right? If they're opening their wallet for you, it is because they want um, to really know that your product is credible, which is a feedback that can only come from people that have already used your products, right? So That's your right. customers become an become an extremely important uh, factor for new buyers, right? You're not going to be able to attract new business. So so then the whole factor of the customer experience, right? The experience that your existing customers have becomes very, very important. How do you think organizations can drive customer experience and create a wall, right? Create a wall that will help them to uh, build this credibility for your new customers. What do you think organizations can do?
1: Well, I think... I wouldn't even go as far as to say, create a wow. I would say, you know, start by setting the right expectations and then delivering on those expectations. Just do what you say you're going to do. And you'll already differentiate yourself (laughs) from 90% of the other vendors in your space. Right. Um, There's a, there's another book uh, called the effortless experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, Matt Dixon is the author of that. And some other folks, great, great foundational text, research-based data-based book. And what they have found, like part of the outcome of writing this book is that their mantra is now stop trying to delight your customers. Just do what you're going to say and reduce their effort. Make it easy for them. Right. Um, So I think, you know, by by coming through on your brand promise, coming through on what you say you're going to deliver in the from, you know, from the earliest stages of awareness in the buying cycle. And then making things simple and seamless and easy for the customer, that's how you create a customer that will reference for you. Wow. And it's a really important point you made. This is all about trust. Yes. It's all about trust, right? And everything we're doing in the sales cycle is building trust, building trust in the product, but yeah. not just the product. It's the it's the company and how we deliver, which yes. is why you know we think of onboarding as part of the process. We think of the sales and marketing as part of the customer success process. Mm-hmm. A SaaS business is a customer success machine. Machine. Right? It's a very <laughs> yes. customer centric way of doing business. Um, so yeah, it it's uh, what you said is spot on.
0: That's just beautiful what you said, right? I mean, I'm just amazed at that simple insight that you gave. Just do what you promise, and you know, don't look at warming the customer. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's always
1: there's always time for that, right? And yeah. but wowing the customer tends to be done on an individual basis. And it's sort of, you have some people that are really good at wowing the customer, but make them feel really good. Yes. And you have some people that just aren't wired that way. But what you can always do is deliver the same way. You can deliver yeah. the same processes. You can deliver yes. a great product. Just hold up your end of the bargain Just start there. And you'll, you'll be doing better than 90% of your competition. I promise.
0: Okay. Now then a uh, question tied to this, right? Then it, this comes all about execution, Right so then the team and how you structure the team what kind of roles you define becomes a very important factor right what kind of people you choose so how, any recommendations on uh, you know how to structure a cs organization like what roles are inevitable to have and what roles are additional uh, good to have and uh, you know how this all ties into what you have said so far right if you could throw some light on that
1: yeah sure well i guess one of the things that I'm a very big believer in is specialization. Right. You ha- you have to know what your job is if you're going to be good at doing your job. Right?
0: Somebody said it. Oh, thank God for saying this.
1: <laughs> I mean, we we've got a lot of companies. Um, I'm going to pull up my notes here because there's a quote that I actually wrote down yesterday in a book that I was reading that I'm going to read to you, but. um the the um, there are a lot of earlier stage software companies and even some later stage software companies that get stuck and they have the CSM as the catch-all for everything, right? They're doing some support. They're doing some onboarding. They're helping run renewals. I have literally seen it all, right? Where CSMs mm-hmm. are quote unquote full stack CSMs. That may work when you're in a startup with 10 or 20 people, that does not scale. It will never scale. So again, and I, I, I tend to speak very confidently, but this, this is highly dependent on your business. And again, follows the go-to-market model to a large degree, but I like to see a good separation between onboarding Mm. and ongoing customer success management. Why? Because onboarding that, that is an urgent right it's a it's a it's an activity that you have to do it's like receiving a support ticket you have to respond to that right so urgent versus important you ever heard that trade off the eisenhower matrix the urgent onboarding is always going to be urgent support tickets are always going to be urgent and you have to have a way to respond quickly and and engage quickly on those activities and so i typically again you know I'll, i'll leave room for for fudging around all this because everybody has a different model. But I typically like to see a separation between onboarding and ongoing customer success. hundred mm-hmm. percent certainly separate your support team from the rest of your customer okay. success team, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. support needs to have a very close tie into the product organization and the development engineering organization yeah. so that they can they can really closely collaborate to get problems solved as quickly as possible. And again, with as little effort as possible, on the customer's part. So, support, implementation, um, slash onboarding, and then customer success management. Typically, those are the folks that are carrying the relationship forward, you know, down, down the line. But the most important thing is those results conversations, success planning, having those proactive engagements where you're working with the customer to measure their results and coach them on how to do better because you get to see it all as the vendor, right? So, right. Those are the basic separations. I think there are other professional services parts of professional services that could be carved off as you grow and scale. You know, certainly think about account management. If you have a really strong upsell motion, meaning you can go back to your base and you can sell a lot more to mm-hmm. them, and it's not just usage based, then I would say also you, that's when you have a really strong account management function as well that focuses on back to selling back into the base, right? Yeah, upgrading them to a new pricing plan or adding on a new product where there's a need right and the CSMs in that situation can be very they can be integral in in helping identify opportunities there for 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 those deals to to happen so that's a very basic you know separation of duties and that's where my mind always starts again you can consolidate some of those things in certain types of businesses if you have a plg motion right and you're or even a a really high velocity inside sales motion, then I would say maybe like if your product is very simple to set up, maybe your onboarding is handled by the CSM, right? Mm -hmm. And that would be okay too. So then you could mix or you could collapse onboarding and ongoing customer success management. But even then you probably have a scaled team behind you that has webinars running on a regular basis. That's, you know, training seminars, uh, creating knowledge bases, things that help the CSM scale and do that job better if they have both of those responsibilities.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How about uh, CSMs uh, taking over the role of account management? Do you encourage that? Um, do you think it's an OK practice to have or?
1: Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I do. I think it's an OK practice to have. Um, and more and more you see it happening, especially right now, because what we're realizing in the in this world is the SaaS world that we're in, the technology space, is that for the past 15 years, we've had a ton of investment coming in to the space, right, in the form of private equity dollars, venture capital dollars, uh, private seed investing. And we've created really bloated organizations. You've got account management, you've got customer success, you've got account executives and sales. Like we can't carry all this cost. So the question is, how do you achieve what you need to achieve as a business? What's possible with the most, in the most efficient way possible. And I think you'll, you'll start to see patterns emerge where, um, you know, in higher velocity worlds, CSMs may own more of that expansion motion directly. And in more of an enterprise or a lower velocity kind of model, there's probably separated roles, right? right? And so, and I, I think we're going to get more efficient in that over time. But there's, there's always this old idea that, hey, if you're selling, then the customer's not going to trust you. I think that's, that's I mean, not, that's BS, right? Like, yeah. you have to build trust to be able to sell it's, to a customer. Now, yeah. we have to make sure we're, we're coming from the right place. We're not over incentivizing people to sell. Yes. So that we damage the relationship in the process. So they're pushing too hard and selling the wrong solutions.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So one, um, what I have observed in my, um, you know, tra- in my experience trying to do upsells and cross sells is that once you have a good relationship and once the trust is built, the conversation is about not about explicit selling. The conversation is about How can you add more value or, you know, positioning specific products to a customer's problem? They become more and more transparent with their day-to-day challenges. And so the conversation becomes about how we can solve those problems rather than just going and, you know, throwing a catalog of products and saying, do you want to buy this? I think the tone of the conversation has changed because CS is able to, you know, build that trust and extract those problems uh, from the customer. That's what I have observed.
1: Yeah, it's an evolution of what we I don't know what we used to call solution selling, right? I mean, where you would really try to understand the context of the business before you position yes. a solution and yes. I mean that should that is should be happening almost in our sleep these days. But the CSM if they're really engaged at a business level should be well well qualified to help tee up those opportunities to me it doesn't matter if they're the one closing it or not yeah. but they should they should be looking for it and identifying it right got it. then the question is there's all this i mean you could have a deal desk if you really have a simple expansion model where you identify it and let the deal desk go you know do the contracting oh, yeah. work Yeah. yeah. But if you're actually having to sell if you got new stakeholders involved so here's a good example right um i used to work for a company and we had an we had a uh, like a employee onboarding mm. solution, but yeah. then we also had a scheduling solution and it was in one package. It was like a suite, but those two modules were bought by different parts of the organization, right? So the real, I had the relationship over here and I'm using my hands for the people that, <laughs> <laughs> that are listening. I talk with my hands, but the, the people that are on one solution, aren't the buyers of the other solution, but they can help you identify leads. So especially in a cross-sell situation where you're selling to a different department, then you probably do want an account executive or an account manager in there doing the sales motion, developing that part of the relationship, figuring out what the contracting is going to look like. So that might be different if it's just an upsell motion, right? You might not have that separation of duty. So again, highly dependent on the way your business is set up, but those are some of the ways to think about it. You got to get really granular about the way your business works, who you're selling to, and how that works so that you can put the right resources on it, you have the right separation of duties. Whatever you do, don't just read all the articles on the vendor website. That's not gonna give you the answer. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, that's true. So so when you're measuring the success of CS, what are the top OKRs or whatever you wanna call them, right, uh, outcome-based success or outcome-based measurements? what are you measuring the success of a CS organization against in terms of specific quantifiable parameters?
1: Great question. Um, I can tell you how we do it right now, specifically, <laughs> you know, if you measure, if you measure, depending on what kind of business you're in, if you measure your CS team by renewals right now, it's going to be pretty painful, right? Because you've got a lot of consolidation in tech stack happening. People are looking to save money wherever they can yes. on, the, on their technology. Right. And so. Um, You know, what we wanted to do uh, going into this year is really give our our customer success teams something that they could control directly. There's so many other factors in a renewal, right, that they have zero control over. The best thing that they can do is, again, going back to having the results conversations. Do you have a success plan in place with every customer? Have you teed that up? Are we having have we, you know, identified all the contacts for that account and have we had engagement of some sort with them? Have we made sure they've seen the success plan and the progress that we've made? Um, have we asked them if they're doing well, have we asked them to be an advocate? So how many advocates are we recruiting out of out of that pool? So we, today we are very tactical on what we're measuring our our CS team on. And it's it's going into the activity that we expect them to do. Not so much the, I mean, the outcome is super important to us as a business. Yeah. But again, the business owns making sure that customers renew. Is the product still fitting the market? Are we delivering it in a high quality way? <clears throat> um, you know, there's there so many other factors that go into customer retention that the CSM technically can't control. So we wanted to try to give them something very tangible.
0: Yeah, great. Um, Now my next question, right? uh, What about digital CSM and how it plays a role? Um, Like, you know, is it a, what is your focus currently on uh, digital? Because when I talk to companies, a lot of them are still doing it the very old-fashioned way. The digital is a long way to go. But what are your thoughts? Like, you know, as we, because I think digital is going to be inevitable for scale organizations. Maybe startups can get away without it. What are your thoughts on the current and the future of digital CS?
1: Yeah, well, what I wanted to do here is when you say digital CS, I have a, or CSM, I have a very specific definition in my mind. So can I maybe lay out some definitions? Yes, of course. So a lot of people use a sort of a digital persona. They will create a digital um, avatar almost. That is, that is a quote unquote digital CSM. And that might be, you know, John Smith. And so every email they send is in John's voice. Um, you know, there are even companies out there that have like (laughs) literal, they're making literal avatars to have John talk to you, right? In your email. Um, but so that's one thing where you create a persona that's typically for your long tail of accounts where you actually don't have somebody assigned, but you want to make the customer feel like you do. And then if the customer reaches out to John, quote unquote, air quotes of my <laughs> fingers, then you sort of flip the model and you, and you hand them off to a real person. John wasn't available, but I'm going to talk to you. So when you say digital CSM, that's what I hear. Um, when, when we talk about, then there's a couple of other models. There's what I would call pooled customer success. You hear people doing this more and more. It's where you yeah. have a small team um, and, and maybe you can access that team via an inbound email, yes. shared email inbox. Or, but you know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like customer support, doesn't it? If customers <laughs> can just request. It is. It's customer support. It yeah. Now, it's an interesting way to start with your long tail customers, but to me, it doesn't get at the heart of what you're asking, which is like, how do you really scale this thing? Yes. Then, so the the real answer in my mind is something we call scale customer success.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that is where you're creating programs that benefit all of your customers. And the thing about scale customer success is that it's not just for the long tail of accounts and your lowest tier or your SMB tier, whatever it is right? it's These programs end up benefiting everybody. So that is like doing a webinar for new user onboarding, right? So your CSMs don't have to run 15 calls a week to onboard new users. You have one webinar series that's running every week, consistently, same days, same times, and you have an expert delivering that that session. Your CSMs funnel people into it, right? That's part of what they're doing. It's having an online community where people can access each other. I'm a little partial to this, right? Uh, Higher Logic is an online customer community platform. And so what we're trying to do is help people understand that if you put up this this central community hub, that's where customers go for everything they need, all their enablement resources, their tools, their networking, events that you throw for them, it's all there. So it's really scaled CS to me is a programmatic approach to delivering enablement and support that actually helps the whole thing scale. And you know what, if you get customers into that, those programs, then your CSMs have time to do again, what I keep coming back to the most important thing, which is you and I are going to have a conversation about your actual results, what you're seeing, how is it working? What are your goals? And then what are the three next tactics we need to try to get you closer to your goals? That's a very powerful conversation. Um, And I've always said that customer success in its, in its, In it's most refined form is like management consulting, right? Of course. Where you're able to- 100%. Yeah, you're you're able to to look at a problem. You're able to look at a business goal and say, okay, I get what the goal is. That's not the strategy. Let's now create a strategy to go achieve that goal. And that might consist of a handful of different actions or activities or different tools that we think we can go use to help get you closer to it. Yes. In a scaled world, you can provide that via webinars, right? Teach everybody yeah. the same stuff at the same time. In an enterprise world where you have one-on-one customer success and customer relationships, then you're having that conversation in more of a one-on-one yeah. sort of way.
0: No, it, it also ties beautifully into what you said earlier in, in our conversation about specialization, right? You can't be in a consulting position if you're not a subject matter expert in what you're saying. if you don't have specialization in what you're saying, So it also ties back yeah. into... Uh, you know, what you said earlier. So uh, so what are the three major initiatives um, you, you suggest uh, CSMs to own, right? I mean, um, in order to be able to deliver um, uh, deliver results to an organization, for example, uh, like, you know, how, like, you know, should they own product strategies? Should they own revenue strategies? Uh, Should they also have a say in marketing? Should they bring current customer advocacies? And then, you know, how do you tie retention experience and advocacy, right? I mean, my question is more about um, where should CS put their foot in and where they should completely not stay away? And what is the level of um, involvement, right? And and it's not just that. I mean, it's, it's the second part of my question is, Okay, CS got involved in product, CS got involved in the revenue strategy, CS got involved in the marketing strategy, CS gave inputs to the C-suite, but how does it all tie and measure towards, you know, the experience, the value that you're delivering, right? How should CS look at this, where they should get involved and where they should back off and what kind of inputs they should provide?
1: Yeah, well, customer success, it's at the inner CSMs, I should say, and people who are working with the customer in the long run. Long
0: haul. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. The long haul. They sit in a really interesting position, right? Because they get to see how the product actually performs in different types of situations. They get to hear from the customers what's going on beyond the product. Yeah. That's a big deal, right? Understanding yeah. what's happening in the world beyond your product. Sometimes we... um I was okay. Weird anecdote. I was sitting in a, a hospital earlier this week for a procedure somebody in my family was having, and I was watching the nurse in that room use the software to enter data. And I was thinking, man, she spends this much of her time. Right? I'm making a little, a little, little sign with my fingers, <laughs> <laughs> but she spends just a little bit of her time on that computer working with that software every hour, right? Yeah. The rest yeah. of the time, she's talking to patients. She's prepping materials for whatever procedure. Um, she's, you know, communicating with other staff in coordinating effort, right? So we have to get away from this idea that our product is the center of people's universe. Now, if i'm selling salesforce.com and the revops person or the salesforce administrator is my main point of contact well maybe salesforce is the center <laughs> of her universe right or his universe yeah but um but at the end of the day like most products you know you don't you don't have your customers full attention um, oh. so anyway i i sort of got off track there but the the it's important to understand the context around your product, right? And so that I would say is area number two. And having all that insight in that context puts you in a really interesting position to be able to provide feedback to product, to be able orders. to provide feedback to sales and marketing and the executive team on the go- to market strategy like, hey, yeah. here's where customers are a fit and here's where we see them struggle. Right now, even for our product, we are categorizing every single one of our customers into a use case. We can look across all of our customers and you can say, okay, here's the market that they're in or the sub segment of the market that they're in. Right. And here's the use case that they primarily use our product for. And we know that there are a handful of use cases that are sure wins. Right. If we, if yes, we yes. do our part, meet our obligations, they're going to be successful with that. And we're probably yeah. going to retain them for a long time. Then there are another set of use cases that are like, this ain't going to stick. Right. Like if they're using this, if they're using huh. our product to do X, Y, and Z, We know that it's only a matter of time. So our play there needs to be different, right? Either you ride it out and let the revenue last as long as it can, or you actually have to go sell them on a new use case. But that feedback into the go-to-market process is really important. And to go big picture again for a second, we've talked a lot about SaaS embarking on sort of the next generation, this efficiency operational model where it's going to become much more efficient type of business. Than it has been, selling to the right customers is part of that, right? Because you can't afford, from a sales and marketing cost perspective, to sell customers yes. that won't be with you for say, five, yes. seven, ten years, right? So yeah. I, I think you know, CS can can is in a really interesting position to 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 provide feedback in all those areas, particularly yeah. product, particularly in market market, but that means we probably also have to be asking questions that get us beyond just the day to day use of the product.
0: Yes. That is that is so true right um, now, the next uh, question that I have for you is okay the beaten uh, question about CS owning upsells and crosses what is what is your stance on this uh, question right, I mean I I believe sorry. I'll hear you Or No, no, it's fine. I'll, I'll tell you later. First, I'll hear from you.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, I think we've already touched on it a, a, a decent bit. Um, but again, it, re- it really is dependent on your situation. But if, if you're in a cross-sell situation, then that's probably, again, a cross-sell being I'm selling a new product into a new division or the same product into a new division or new stakeholders. Why not let a salesperson run that motion? Right? We're at this point in the economy, especially in the b two b tech co- economy, let whoever has the best shot at closing the business go close the business. If it's an a e, fine. like have them do it. There's just got to be some coordination there. Um, so uh, and, and I think I think another trend that we'll see more of is there are more and more chief customer officers that are owning those functions. But they actually have some commercial experience themselves, right? Yes. So yes. they know what it's like to manage a pipeline. They know what it's like to um, help you know drive growth in the business. Yes. By the same token, I think you see the same with CROs, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're you, they're getting more savvy. I used to think, you know, I, I used to have a lot of empirical evidence to support it too that CROs, CRO was just a title like the next title for a salesperson that didn't want to be VP yeah. of sales and yeah. they wanted to chief something, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was a little bit maybe pessimistic, but um, but a lot of times it played out like that too. But now I think you see a, l- a little bit more holistic kind of view of the world from either a CRO or a CCO. I've known CCOs who have owned the entire go-to-market, right? Yeah. But they yeah. called the role chief customer officer because it was most customer-friendly.
0: So, yeah.
1: um, so I, again, there's not a one size fits all answer to that question, but um, either either way, you know, d- despite who actually drives the 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 opportunity in Salesforce, like who's managing that opportunity with the customer, you know, whoever has the best shot of closing it, um, and you know, I think that could be account manager, account executive, it could be CSM again in a high velocity kind of model.
0: Okay. Because I have tried, I mean, in my personal experience, I have set CSQL uh, customer success qualified leads uh, flowing into sales, especially in the case of cross sales, right? Uh, Cross sales and new opportunities within the same uh, customer as just a CSQL and then passing it off to sales. But I'm being very transparent with you. The feedback that I've got from my CSMs is that we built the relationship. We did all the hard work. The credibility came because of the relationship that we had built. lead came because of us we understand the customer space better than the sales guy who's who's at this point an outsider yeah so that 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 controversy is beginning to come up you know so this opportunity is for me to go chase because the lead came through me i understand so that's a challenge that that you know sometimes i currently face because humans being humans they want to be rewarded equal right and especially when so so, what do you think I should, I or anybody in my position should be doing where a CSM says it's a new opportunity, but the lead came through me and it's the same space, the same customer. I have the relationship. I know the space really well. I even have insights about what is the pricing that they are expecting. Why should I give it to sales? So,
1: yeah, I mean, it, it's a great question. And so what I would also say is it depends on the complexity of that sale. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. And because at the end of the day, there's there's a there's a several degrees of what you might do here, right? At the the simplest, the CSMs could just process the paperwork and you know, click you know do the booking and go go on, right? I think then you really do have a you have a you have a sales team, an in like an inside back to base customer sales team, and so then you sort of have to be careful depending on what the CSM role is. Like, do you need them to be doing, okay, let me back up. Selling, closing deals, and coaching a customer on business strategy are two completely separate things, right? Can, can one person be great at both of those? Maybe, right? Pro- probably in some cases, but not the masses. Okay. Yes, yes. Um but that would be the the simplest, most basic way to do it. The second way to do it, sort of handling a little bit more complexity is, again, I go back to this idea of a deal desk. And all a deal desk is, is people who, I mean, think about um, maybe having a, like a renewal processing team. Like it's yeah. really just processing contracts. I've got some interest over here. I don't need to go sell, right? I just need to put the contract in front of them. If they want to sign it, great. They sign it. We process the paperwork. We provision the upgrade and we go on, right? That's a great, like if that's the way your product works and if that's the way your expansion motion works, then you should not give that to a sales rep because you're going to pay commission on it. It's going to be a very high cost of sale. And everything we're trying to do right now is be more efficient with cost of selling and marketing. Um, Now, if you truly do have an upsell motion that requires a sales motion, meaning we've got a, convince the customer, we got to make sure they understand the problem. They got to understand our solution. We have to, you know, compete with other people yeah. for the solution. Like you might have to do in a cross sell, then
0: yeah.
1: why not give that to a salesperson so that you can maintain the
0: Good relationship. Yeah.
1: Well, not maintain the relationship, but, but maintain the the focus on results with all of your customers and not get distracted by this other thing. If you want to be in sales, go be in sales, but let me tell you this, your pay is going to get cut by 50% and you'll only make the other 50% if you end up hitting a number. So the thing for CSMs to think about is, you know, it sounds like sales has an easy job and I run both sales and I run product and customer success for my, my group. So I see all this intimately, but sales is not an easy job. Right. And a lot of their income is at risk every single year. And most yeah. sales reps aren't making their number this year. Yes. <laughs> they're just not. <laughs> so like don't don't think that sales teams get a get a free pass because Correct. typically okay. they don't. Yeah. Even yeah. if they're not selling anything, they're still not making any money, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that is true. Okay. Perfect. So my last question, right? So is EA going to eat CS? At least, I mean, going back to the question with which I started. CS is just a program management function. If that is true, then the chances of AI completely replacing CS is very high. But but in general, what are your thoughts about AI and is it going to make at least some parts of what a CS organization does redundant?
1: Um, I think this goes for every function, not just CS. (laughs) But... AI is going to do two things for us. It's going to make us more efficient at what we already do today and, or it's going, and, or it's going to make us more effective at what we already do today. Right. And so in the case where it makes us more efficient, I don't ever see AI completely replacing a customer success manager or a salesperson for that matter. I do see AI making it much more efficient for them to do their jobs. Well today, Mm -hmm. You have to know a lot. You have to know how to query uh, Chat GPT or some other large language model the right way to get the right answers. But yeah. already people are using AI to prepare for calls, to summarize customer situations um, and you know notes to take notes on their behalf, to analyze the sentiment of you know how customers are feeling based on their body language like AI is doing. There's a, there's a lot of, of machine learning and, and large language model tooling that's coming into our tools. I personally see AI as a feature that makes every product better, right? Not as a standalone thing. Um, Salesforce announced their earnings yesterday, I think it was. And um, you know, in, in the in the article I was reading, uh, you know, the analysts were like, okay, well, Benioff shared a whole lot about the future of AI and how that's going to shape Salesforce, but he didn't really talk about how that's going to result in additional revenue for Salesforce or sales, <laughs> right? And well, I think at the end of the day, AI is going to make every product we use better. It's like the old just, BASF commercials, yeah. right? And we don't make the product you use, we make it better. I think that's what you're going to see with AI over time is that it's going to be a feature of everything. It's, there are going to be AI-driven capabilities within every product and tool that we use to make data cleaner, to make uh, manual tasks easier to, to handle and less time consuming. So from that perspective, I think in theory, you will need fewer CSMs in an organization than you may have today because they'll be able to do things more efficiently, but,
0: um,
1: but I don't, I don't see it coming for our jobs
0: per se. Okay. Sure. All right. I think I have very less time for the rapid fire question. So let's just go. So this is going to be like, you know, uh, we just want very quick answers from you and you shouldn't think answering them okay I have to be answering them spontaneously all right. all right thank you what is that one thing you cannot live without my family what one favorite book a movie or a popular personality that you keep going back to again and again why who and uh, why i
1: i have read the steve jobs biography uh four or five times now i read it once a year and i just i find his uh, his, um, focus on the customer and business outcomes, just inspiring.
0: Okay. All right. So you're not in a room and people are talking about you. What do you think people will talk about you like as a USP or a brand value? They are saying nice things. Okay. So (laughs) what are they most likely to call out as a great thing or a USP about you?
1: Um, I think they would say, I hope they would say he's not afraid to go against the grain and speak his mind. Wow.
0: Okay. What did Jay in his early twenties wanted to be?
1: Um, I always wanted to lead something. I, I, when I worked for my first, I worked, used to work for a huge utility. And I remember, um, I was walking to lunch one day and I, the CEO of the company was walking to lunch in front of me and I ran and caught up with him. And I just started talking to him and asking him all kinds of questions. So I always wanted to be I always wanted to be in corporate leadership <laughs> of some sort.
0: Wow. It seems to all be coming to you.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it right? took, took a while, but yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm slow. Yeah.
0: yeah. A bunch of college grads, all with similar academic skills are coming to you and seeking a seat at your uh, desk, right? A, a seat in your company. Who's most likely to get the job based on soft skills?
1: Um the The person who is humble, hungry, and smart, That that's a, um, there's a book called The Ideal Team Player by Patrick Lincioni that I just love. And those are the three things. And smart doesn't mean like brain, like genius smart. It means smart in terms of how you can deal with people. So humble, yeah. hungry, aggressive, and smart. Yeah. Wow.
0: Well, I think after this, I'm going to ask you for a list of book recommendations because I think <laughs> <laughs> lots of nice books are uh, coming up, right? Yeah. I got so, a ton of them. Oh, wow. Nice. So I'm sure, I mean, um, uh, you know, everyone in their life has mentors. So who's that one person who, who, I mean, either you is your current mentor or who you would love to have as your mentor? And what about them that inspires you to follow them?
1: Um, I've got a lot of people that I've worked with in the past who I confer on all kinds of things. It's fantastic. Everybody should have a personal board of directors yes. Yes. Um, it's a little cheesy sounding but you should have a you know a handful of people that you could turn to to yes. bounce ideas off of people you yes. trust um, you know more recently this is, this sounds even more hokey but um, more recently I've, I've read about people who have like a virtual uh, board of directors and they read all kinds of material like I talked about the Steve Jobs yeah. um, biography P- part of the reason that I read that over and over and I just like to get into his way of thinking and there are other people like that for me too, like Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett, yeah. uh, even like Abraham Lincoln. One of the people that I've been following and reading a lot of their stuff, and I read his book multiple times too. Is Bob Iger the guy who who is now back at the at uh, Disney as the CEO again?
0: Yeah, I um, love his. Yeah, yeah. Did Dr. you read that book? That, yes, another yes. Another, uh,
1: another great book, Ride of a Lifetime. Um yes. but. You know, I also like to fill my head with um, those biographies and those business stories. So, you know, as I come into different situations in my own, you know, professional career, I can you know, really have top of mind what, what they were thinking um, as they went through similar problems and maybe, you know, have some solutions uh, based on what I've read others have done. So I try to have both.
0: Beautiful. So if you were to do all over this again, that one thing you will never do.
1: Oh, the one thing I'll never do. Um, yeah.
0: Or what you will do differently.
1: Yeah. What I would do differently, you know, consistency is everything in life, consistency and persistence. And so, you know, just, just staying focused, picking one thing and just doing it every single day, because if you can get improved by a quarter of a percent every day or every week, like over time, time passes so fast, that stuff just builds and builds and builds. And where I've chosen to do those kind of things in my life, I feel like I've made great strides and great progress where I haven't, where I've jumped around and not focused. I, I feel like yeah. I've failed, you know? So yeah. I think it's just being consistent and focused on whatever I'm doing at the moment.
0: Okay. What wakes you up and drives you to work every day? What, what fuels, uh, Jay, um, on a daily basis? Like something should be driving you relentlessly right what is that
1: uh for me it's it's probably just learning i i i feel like a student all the time um and i i try to always fill my head with new ideas from different domains a lot of what i talk about in cs doesn't even come from cs yes. it comes from <laughs> you know all kinds of different disciplines and domains so it's just for me it's learning that's that what that's what makes makes work and life fun for me
0: Okay. So currently, your most favorite, you can call whatever, right? A CS leader or your company that you're watching for or a CS tool. Who would you call out? Like, you know, they are really blowing your mind in the CS space. You can name a few or yeah. just. One.
1: You know, I don't know that I would call out. There are so many fantastic people in the customer success community. I'm not just saying that because I happen to be a part of a big one, but uh, it, there are too many people to call out. Um, here's, here's a, uh, here's an against the grain answer for you. Um, the CEO of Snowflake. Uh, oh gosh, what's his name? No, I'm blanking on it. Um, again, another book, you know, he talks about how the entire company should be focused on the customer and how he's actually not let customer success organizations build up in his companies because he wants to make sure that all the other departments make sure that they know it's their responsibility to deliver a great product, a great onboarding experience, um, a great buying experience to those customers. It's not just one team's responsibility. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's an unconventional answer for you, the CEO of Snowflake, who's...
0: What is the book you said? I miss the... Yeah.
1: Um, his his book is called Amp It Up. Okay. That's, a, that's another one. Uh, Slootman. Frank okay. Slootman is his name. So... Um, that'll be a controversial answer. Some people don't like that because of the way he talks about customer success. I happen to find it sort of inspiring. So,
0: okay, okay. Finally, one thought or quote or whatever, right? One one of your favorite quotes or thoughts that you want to leave our listeners with. That that's like your north star, or you know, that keeps anchoring you, or your your life principle, whatever. Whatever you want to leave oh. as a final parting <laughs>
1: thought. Yeah. Well. You know, I guess um, one of the things that I always tell my kids, and this truly is off the top of my head, I always tell my tr- kids, if, if you don't have your integrity, you have nothing. Okay. And so, you know, always start with honesty and, and and you know, truth and and being, you know, very, you know, be, be an integral person. And I think a lot of things will happen well for you if you do.
0: Wow. Well, okay. Thank you. I think... I don't have the satisfaction of asking all my questions. I still have so
1: <laughs> sorry, you know, I talk so too many,
0: much. No, no, no. I still have so many questions that have come from what you said. Probably I should do a Jay Nathan part two soon. <laughs> this is one one hour is not enough, but still, I mean, uh, thank you so much for graciously doing this on a Friday. I know it's not, it's it's a day that people like to keep meetings off, but still thanks for taking the time. Very insightful conversation. I follow you on LinkedIn. I mean, your posts are awesome. I continue to rock. And we all thank you for what you're doing for the community.
1: Thank you. And you as well. It's It's been a pleasure to, to speak with you on a Friday yeah.
0: afternoon. <laughs> thank you, Jay.